Alright, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. It's just we've just passed Super Bowl this weekend. There's only one way to start off and to recap, in my opinion, the best halftime show of all time. We've got Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, and our boy Aussie Man Reviews is teeing it up. Boys, <laughs> tell me no, tell me what you think about it. It's just you're yeah, outraged about this. Snoop's here is keeping middle America happy with this dance. He's like my boot scooting baby is driving me crazy. Fuck me dead. The doctor is climaxing. He has climaxed. Everyone cheers. <laughs> Who's up next? The fellas point to someone in the man cave. Oh, it's 50 cent. Or as we say, Who's down that? under half a buck. Why is he upside down? That looks uncomfortable as fuck. He's struggling to blink. He's a dedicated bloke. I don't think I could commentate videos upside down. His oh, necklace is off brand. Oh, it says much, zero right. two. Right, I thought There's... we could keep going for, yo, we can go yo, for a long his time. His necklace is off brand. It says zero <laughs> Wait, two. I need to stop. Wait, hold Jesus on a second. Christ. Who is Aussie? He's just this uh, Australian YouTuber. Yeah, he's some crazy Aussie dude, man. He's so funny. He did that in like a day. He did that straight away. Got, dude, uh, the, uh, I love the off brand. Views. I love the <laughs> 50 cents chain is off brand. It says zero two. <laughs> So good, man. Anyway, Super Bowl, lads. You watched it this weekend. What do you think, man? What was, what was the the verdict in the the fan household and the butcher household? Dude, I'm I'm definitely in the point of my life where like I watch three minutes of football a year. Like, and you you go to sh- the game, you have the same conversation. Everybody actually, like, hey, who are you cheering for? It's like I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm just here to get uh, gas with the boys. It's exactly what happened. Was you watched it at home, though? No, I went to to a very COVID friendly. Uh, condo party. There's a lot of space. A lot of space. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, the picture of uh, uh, L.A. Mayor Garcetti. That was that was ripping on the internet. You know how they yeah, had yeah. these really restrictive uh, rules in uh, in California, and Garcetti's just uh, walking around the stadium, no mask on. And I think uh, our boy Ramp had a hilarious tweet. He's like, uh, "This is like the record for holding your breath ever." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Of Garcetti walking around the stadium. Yeah, he's the one who it. said he holds his breath, right? Yeah. Guess I didn't oh breathe, man. Ridiculous. Anyway, man, what a crazy that that halftime show though. I know this is the European in me, like not even talking about the American okay. football, but man, we got Dre, Snoop, Crip walking on stage, Kendrick coming through, fifty cent upside down. I Where mean, did you guys watch legendary. it? I was at a, a bar in Brooklyn and it was unlimited beer, unlimited wings <laughs> for like sixty dollars sort of place. Right. And did you get your money's worth? I got a few wings in me for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Jack, what about you? You're watching at home with the- At home, yeah. Actually, a friend of mine was in town randomly, so he came through, but it was just a quiet one in a house, no furniture, a TV and a sofa. That's it. That was That's good. That's it, man. You well, got the, the uh, Scarface furnishing, right? Just a giant house, just just no furniture. That's Maybe one. one, one. The desk you're on right now is like he's the got a standing desk <laughs> and a standing desk. I'm sitting again. It. Celia told me that the uh, setup last week looked very unprofessional, so I'm back sitting. <laughs> I'm back sitting for the same reason. The angle was a little off. Well, now we've got the plant back. You know what I mean? As far as I'm concerned, Bitcoin is still not at 69k, so Stunner is still one standing, of us boys. has got to stay. Yeah. All right, boys, let's tell people what we're talking about. We are talking about Super Bowl, obviously, but not the football. We're going to talk about breaking down some of the ads, um, some correlation to early 2000s with the startups. We're going to talk about the crypto ads, break them down. Um, And then we've got some deep edge of the internet stuff today. Jack's going to break down stuff in the nouns universe and the CCO stuff that he's really a big fan of. 
Um, we're going to talk a little bit about this alien punk sale, which was over $23 million worth 8,000 ETH. What was going on there? And then to, to wrap it up, me, uh, Trung's going to be talking about Razzle Khan's social engineering course. So lots to cover. Where so Razzle Khan, Heather Morgan, let's just make it clear, the uh, $4.5 billion Bitcoin thief. So yeah, hang exactly. The one launderer, not thief, right? La- launderer, launderer, you're right. <laughs> the one who was in your she DMs. She didn't steal the money. She didn't, yeah. her and her husband, Ilya, did not steal the money. So where, where should we start, boys? I mean, f- like everyone knows, I mean, for our European listeners, people that don't know all the stuff about Super Bowl, obviously it's the biggest event of the year. Uh, what is it, like 100 million people watch it um, plus and... The cool thing with the ads is that people actually like sit down to watch them and people talk about them after like we are. Um, And in the early 2000s, there was kind of like a lot of these startups that eventually failed that were pumping out. In the year 2000, yeah. Year 2000, right? So a lot of people have been discussing the parallel between this time around. We had a lot of uh, crypto exchanges and people focus on crypto. And the bears will say that might happen again in the future. But... There was the one that really was noticeable was the Coinbase one. Did you guys obviously watch this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we watched. There, so there are four uh, main ones. There's like eToro, uh, FTX, Coinbase, and uh, Crypto.com. And Crypto.com. Um, yeah. We'll we'll discuss and kind of talk about each of those individually. But the first thing I want to ask for Jack, which is the advertising expert here, is like, can you tell the listeners? How big of an advertising day the Super Bowl is? Bilal noted 100 million viewers. It's like is and today, Oscars have gone to shit. Is there anything on this level now? A single day event? I would say like in old school advertising terms, no, but it's also like um, there's like a some prestige with it that's just been a holdover for decades, right? It might not be the most effective anymore, but it's definitely yeah. like the one that everybody, you know, in the, in the advertising industry, like you want to get your name on a Super Bowl ad or you want to contribute to one. It is kind of the... If you're a football player, the Super Bowl is playing. If you're you work in that industry, it's getting something on TV during that game. It's just like you're saying there's just a built-in gravitas from all these years. For sure, yeah. And like working on a brand that can afford to advertise in the uh, Super right. Bowl is another um, you know, another reason you would maybe slog away like making banner ads for Verizon for three years because then maybe you're <laughs> going to get a shot at the, the Super Bowl ad at some point, right? Like the majority of the advertising work is way less sexier than the Super yeah. Bowl ad. People, because it's like uh, the context is a little different. It's not like, hey, go and buy this product for 4 It's like this huge grandiose story about the brand where you, you know, hire top talent normally and, you know, maybe collaborate with a director outside of this world. Um, one thing I would say, and maybe this is just me being jaded over the years is like <laughs> they, the, the quality of the ads is just like shit, to be honest. Yeah. Like, you know, like even five years ago, they were, there was just like a different level of like care, finesse, like yeah. cleverness. And maybe that's like a symptom of like people not spending as much time in that industry or not putting as much weight on creativity in that. Now you've got like, you know, the Bilal's of the world that can put an ad in front of the right person at the right time, you know, in, in whatever geography they're in. The at Super the Bowl moment of now. intent. At the moment of intent. As there Bilal you go. There you go. <laughs> I like you put your hand up. That was the yeah, way you That was the impression. That was when you were explaining. It's like, you know, the moment that you're 
But you want, you're signaling you want to purchase. I'm going to be the last Bilal. <laughs> you got yeah, exactly. Right, Bilal's got a keynote for that, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. definitely. Uh, so, so, and I think like there's maybe a parallel to like old print ads, right? Where you would get like the middle spread of the New York Times or the second page of the New York Times. Like there's still like cultural weight to it, but is it like the most intelligent way to spend money? You could probably argue no in most cases. Yeah. Like if you were a uh, fintech company or neobank or crypto exchange, you wanted to convert customers. I definitely try to find an up and coming podcast or three individuals uh, that has also a YouTube show where one of the hosts just stands until Bitcoin hits 69,000. Yeah. That's just me though. That that's is how true. I would spend the ad budget, but I've never worked in an ad team for a big corporation. So that that's an uninformed opinion, boys. That's it's just a good way to think about it. But, uh, Let's uh, let's walk through some of the ads. So, I got. I, I'll share a screen here below yeah. if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, go for it. And then just while you're pulling up your screen, I was going to say the cost of one of these ads, from what I know, is this year. I think it was like over six million dollars just for the ad itself, uh, like the media, so to speak. Um, six six million dollars, and I think that's for thirty seconds. And this is there. And uh, yeah, obviously, hundred million people see it. That doesn't include how much it's going to cost to pay all the different people to be in it, the production right. budget, all that. So a lot of the time they're spending like 10, 12 million dollars just to get this one ad out there. So Trump's got me? a nice little... Yeah, yeah your screen just oh, went yeah. off though. All right, yeah, you, got, go. you can share the screen, go over it. All right, so well, we, we started with the 50 cent coming down for at the halftime show, that was amazing. Uh, so the my, my favorite meme from that whole thing was, you know the guy with the, the, the in class, like is waiting to say something, his head's about to explode. <laughs> Some dude is like, this is my favorite meme. Is like, they flip that guy upside down for the listeners. And it's like basically 50 cents just waiting. He's like, yo, Dre, hurry up, dude. I don't know how much longer I can do this. Because if you didn't see it, 50 is looking a little bit husky. He I'm not trying to fat shame thick. him. Yeah. But the inflation joke started coming around. Like inflation is getting out of control. 50 cent looking like a dollar right now. That was kind of the joke. I'm not, I, I'm not about that. I'm just saying what I heard. And actually, to be honest, he looks kind of good, man. Like he's like older. Like, you know, you know, you get the barrel chested as you get older, but he was mad fit when that song came out. You guys remember that, right? In the yeah, I mean, he had like a 12 pack. Yeah, know, that was insane, so. bro. So, we'll, well, I, I had a bunch of these Kanye things. We can flip through them. All right. So, this first ad here, this is ranking from uh, the worst to the best ad. Uh, this eToro ad. This is literally what the entire ad looks like. It looks like any other ad for any other company ever, right? It was like a total nonchalant. I didn't even know eToro did Bitcoin trading. So, that worked. So now I know that they're in the game. All right. So there's that ad total nothing burger. The next one was LeBron for crypto.com. This was just so underwhelming and it's just so consistent with the rest of what crypto.com is doing. It's like, let's just pay just the biggest names in the world. Buku bucks, which fair enough. It might work. Right. I mean, they already own the rights to the Staples center where the Lakers play. Um, but not super inspired to Jack's point, you know, where is the inspiration in these Super Bowl That almost now? supposed to be that, yeah, LeBron talking to a young LeBron. A younger right? version of himself, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, it looks really good. Uh, but is, is Crypto.com an exchange? I don't even know what Crypto.com is. It is an exchange to my <laughs> yeah, knowledge. Yeah. I don't, okay. I might be wrong, but I mean, they, they're splashing on Matt Damon. I finally they watched that Matt Damon spend, ad. Yeah. It is indecipherable. That Matt Damon Crypto.com ad makes no sense. But there's Matt Damon in it. So anyways, uh, the next one was that I actually put uh, Coinbase's second because of how much I love Larry David and he did the FTX one. But uh, So wait, let's let's explain this for people who are only yeah. listening. Well, Blah, why don't this. you talk through what happened? So here? basically, Coinbase 
their whole commercial was a QR code bouncing around the screen in the way that that old school DVD sign used to go around the screen. Yeah. And, and uh, we can maybe show an example of that in a second. Yeah. But I posted a, a video I found online. Uh, it was quite popular. They were, so this is uh, to the listeners. They were watching the QR code as Bilal explained, bounce around the screen. And they wanted uh, the QR code to, you know, tap the corner to fit exactly into the corner. The scene was made famous in the office. But it's just so funny because it's just a bunch of bros like cheering about the dumbest things, which is what <laughs> bros do. So here they go. It's uh, and the. <laughs> completely lose their mind when uh, the QR code corners and uh, aren't watching uh, our boy Toby Lucky the new board member for Coinbase and CEO of Shopify retweeted that he liked we go. that content all right so pump in his bags yeah, yeah. <laughs> man the sitting Jack's back he's all settled in just no old bard right and then uh the last one, and actually, Jack, I think in our DMs, you said that the you like this one very much, Larry David ad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so go back, go back one second, Trunk, to that yeah. last one, just with a call to action on this one. Yeah, what do you think so, about that? Could you read it out? Could you just read it out? Yeah, so, uh, the, the QR code takes you to a little little microsite. Page. Yeah, a microsite. It says uh, the offer expires. So I'll tell you exactly what the offer is. If you clicked on the QR, uh, QR code, it took you to this microsite. You could claim $15 in Bitcoin if you had never done it before. If you are an existing customer, you get submitted into a, a lottery of sorts to win a million dollars. So uh, I think the entire ad cost them 14 mil. And we can talk throughout the economics quickly because the, uh, the individual that did this, or the CMO or the head of marketing, uh, Kate Touch, I believe is her name. She wrote a blog post about it. So I can tell you guys, some of the things that happened, uh, the the website briefly went down because yeah, it, Coinbase, it crashed, right? Yeah. yeah, it crashed. They were expecting uh, to get quote unquote millions of hits. Uh, it turns out they got twenty plus million simultaneous hits. So that's absolutely wild, right? And uh, the website went down. It was six times their expectation, the benchmark. So I guess they're guessing like three to four mil. Uh, the the campaign was called Wag Me. So we're going to make it. And uh, the in the blog post, she actually talks about all the uh, some of the other crypto ads during Super Bowl. And it was a very conciliatory tone. It was not competitive at all. It's just like, we're all in this crypto industry together. We're all trying to educate. It's like, they struck a very like, you know, we're in this together, which is why it's called Wag Me. I love Whatever Jack's face right now. That. Sorry. So Jack, <laughs> Jack's face looks like. Uh, I'm, doing Jack, the, I'm doing the math on, on yeah. the uh, how many people signed up and got 15 bucks for free. That's why well, I was, my face was. Oh, you're doing out. that? Well, they're, they're planning on giving a hundred million more in additional, like they're well, man, giving Jeez. away money. It's all marketing, right? It's all customer acquisition. But uh, uh, our friend Sean, Sean Puri in his newsletter actually wrote up uh, back of the uh, envelope on what he thought uh, the numbers were. He said uh, 117 million people watched it. It 20% scanned the QR code. Let's say that's about 20% is uh, 25 mil. 10% signed up. They think they got about, and the 20% of those uh, linked to their bank accounts. He says that he thinks 500,000 new customers at a customer acquisition of 90 bucks each. Uh, it works out because the the $9 acquisition and the 45 per user times 500,000. He thinks it was worth 23 million for them and it costed about 14 mil. 
So they made 50% on it. And we're cool. talking about, I think the key thing, honestly, because that's like direct response metrics, like how many people installed right. it, signed out, which obviously is the most important thing, but people, it was the most talked about ad for sure, right? Like, yeah. Go on LinkedIn, the- boys, and scroll down. It'll be every post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, breakdown. Um, but the other thing I was going to say, Trunk, would you mind just bringing it up again? Yeah. Since we got Jack here, and I'm curious, you're a writer. So like in advertising, landing page stuff, a few key things they've got offer expires nice time constraint yeah they got like sign up 15 highlighted pretty simple opt-in to win i mean it's kind of i mean it's a cool idea but i I, again i'd be curious if they do a full breakdown of you know in like a few weeks of how it actually performed it cost them nothing basically that video either right so that was i mean they they had to buy the spot they had to buy the actual ad time which is ton of money but the, like i'll say that as a contrast ftx is thing because ftx got larry david this is actually my favorite one i thought it's hysterical so larry david co-created seinfeld a star and creator of uh curb your enthusiasm which is is a comedy genius comedy legend he's worth half a billion dollars okay so he's never done an ad like this before so i'm just thinking in my mind like how much money did you have to be convinced? To, like, seriously, I bet he got paid 20, 30 million for this part. It's just like, what's going to move the needle for him? A million dollars means nothing to Larry David, right? And he's never done something like this, which means he's gotten offered a million times. Uh, so the ad, if, if, for the people that haven't seen it and the, the listeners here, is Larry David is, is playing like a version of his uh, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm character, which is a very skeptical, snarky, witty kind of asshole. And like, he's going through time criticizing like the greatest inventions that have ever been made, right? Like the very first uh, part of this ad is like somebody, he, he's playing like a, the, a pharaoh of Egypt and somebody brings a wheel to him and he's like, well, what is that? What are, what's, the, what's the use of that? It looks like a rolling bagel, right? And so he's making fun of it. And then he makes fun of the U.S. Constitution. He makes fun of... Uh, indoor toilets he makes fun of uh my favorite one was uh he speaks in japanese he's he's saying that the walkman will never work because uh you have to be worrying about the batteries all the time which is pretty funny uh and then i thought this ad was amazing but what made it particularly interesting was of all the of all the kind of uh exchanges that we talked about uh etoro ftx coinbase uh and uh what's that crypto Sam Bankman Freed is obviously super into the meme culture, right? He talks about this all the time. So he, from a comedy standpoint, obviously he's like, I need to get Larry David. Like I need to do the, do the best version of this possible. But what's interesting is that Larry David's co-creator, the director of this ad, actually talked about how they agreed to do it. Because at the end of the ad, Larry David says very specifically, when he's pitched the idea of FTX, he's like, no, that's a terrible idea. Now think about that. For most companies, especially in the bleeding edge technology, you're going to pay somebody 20 million to say your thing's a terrible idea. But the reason why it works with only one person is because Larry David is just such an absurd character, right? And he's just such a curmudgeon that his personality can pull off literally saying in an ad spot you're paying for as FTX that your product is shit, but it works because it delivers on the joke. And that's what Larry David's director said about this, the whole bit. He's Mm. like, we agreed to do it. Because at the end, is like, we got what was the funniest to us. And he says, his, his reaction to people saying, don't you feel bad that you're shilling crypto? He said, we don't fucking care because we care about comedy. And like, we got the ending and payoff that we wanted, which was that Larry David was going to shit or say something negative about FTX, but then look wrong in the context 
of the ad doing it because it. he had basically tried to talk down on all these uh, great human innovations. But you know what, though? They softened it, so they must have had a fat check because after he said that's a terrible idea, he's like, but I'm usually right about all these things, you know? It's just like, fair enough, leave fair it, enough. that's a terrible idea. It would have been a hundred times harder. Oh, you're saying like, yeah, that would have been the full. So I think you know that I love how, Jack is just like, he's like, hold on, Trunk. This isn't done yet. <laughs> so the I think you're I think you're 100% right there. Uh, I did actually miss that part uh, or I totally forgot about it, but uh, that's a great point. I mean, that's a, that's a very good point. They did. But he, like, it's interesting because he's going to have like a good amount of backlash just based yes. on like the, where his work is shown and the people who watch it, like in the same way, Matt Damon got like roasted for it. Like if he'd have actually gone the whole way and like everybody had the minerals to just leave it as like, nah, that's a terrible idea. I think it all, it like hits the like absurdity levels of the Coinbase thing yeah which is like the the same theory of like why content on the internet works was like this is like this thumb stopping thing the coinbase ad was like yeah this isn't this like oversaturated celebrity steeped like nonsensical story like everybody's just like what is a tv broken yeah Yeah, it's like a really smart it was a really have you guys ever seen the do you have you guys seen the end of sopranos if you no, haven't, I'm not going to ruin it. I haven't finished it. Yeah. It has a very famous ending, which left people going, what the F? Oh, like, okay. Like, a, I'm not going to ruin it, but it, it, I think what you were describing made me think of the Sopranos ending. So any listeners or watchers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Spoiler alert. I, that actually didn't spoil anything. But uh, that's a great point, Jack. That's actually, I love how Jack came in. He's like, no, hold on, Trunk. Uh, they didn't quite go all the way. Let me put on my ad hat quickly. Um, but uh, let, me, let me give you guys a guesstimate about how much money Larry David made here. All right. I, I, uh, I found only, I can only wrap my head around one comp. All right. So there's one thing we know for sure. Larry David's worth half a bill. So odds are he's not doing this for the money. If he is, it's going to have to move the needle for him. All right. So the, 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 there's the ad. Don't be like Larry. So in 2008, Jerry Seinfeld, who at that time was worth about half a billion dollars, did a series of advertisements for Microsoft. Right. He was paid $10 million in 2008 for that. So that's the benchmark. To me, that's the benchmark. And he's in these ads with Bill Gates. So my guess is that Larry David made 30 to 40 million for this. Maybe that's a lot, but I'm guessing 30 mil. That's my number. I'm putting it out there. That's wild. Yeah. So that's my guess. But uh, Bilal, let me go back to your initial thing where you talk about the dot-com comparison. Yeah. So I can show you guys right now. And then screen share is, uh, so there are 11 ads in the 2000 Super Bowl. Uh, by a startup company. So a company that began in quote unquote the last three-ish years and that was involved in the internet space. So I'm going to rattle off the names for you now. Uh, Autotrader, computer.com, epidemic.com, estamp.com, hotjobs.com, lastminutetravel.com, lifeminers.com, netpliance, rbeginnings.com, pets.com, and WebMD. Man, All right. Some throwbacks in yeah, there. Yeah, bro. So with was lastminutetravel.com the same as lastminute.com? What became lastminute.com? Because that very was, well could be. Yeah. Because if it survived, said it survived. Yeah. I yeah. Think so right here, a- within a year or two of the Super Bowl campaign, called eighteen months, eight of those eleven companies had gone bankrupt or disappeared. That's wild. Right. I'm not suggesting this is going to happen to the crypto companies, but this is the parallel people are making. So at the dot com rise, there was so much money, and they literally had no idea what to do with it. 
in the the hustle wrote about this two years ago and they spoke to ad executives that were around that time and they're literally just saying these startups had so much money they just had nowhere else to put it well let me ask you guys right let's say you're a one-year-old startup you your company just raised 150 mil you're the head of marketing and they're like hey we need you to spend 20 mil on marketing right you're probably just thinking like well how am i going to spend this is this about right yeah, I mean, I'm literally doing it right now with one of my clients at that similar number. So it's like right. kind of a crazy, but you, I mean, I'm not doing all of that, but I'm seeing that and I'm like, man, that's a lot to get. So for, like so. in your mind, you're like, how do I make my job easier? Should I just buy a Super Bowl spot and like a third of the budget's gone? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. No, it's it's just, I think especially compared to back then, because there was less obviously digital market right. where you can actually measure stuff. So it is interesting. And I wonder if the prices, what the prices were like, if they were more or less. I think, I, think, I think it's 2 million for 30 second spot. Wow, what, back then? Yeah. But what is it for, now? What, what I think was it's it? six. six. And it actually yeah, yeah, went yeah. up year over year, which was I was actually surprised by. Um, because the, if you look at the viewership, it's actually gone down over the last few years. From right. 110 million to 100 or something like that. But it's like one of the, like we talked about, it's like one of the last few, you know, everyone's watching, right? It's like one of the last few things. Completely. Jack, did you mute yourself or did you have a thought? You're muted. You're muted, buddy. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, like, looking at that chart of all those, like, bankrupt startups, this, particularly the crypto exchange thing, it does feel, like, close to a winner-take-all business. Right. So it's just, like, show up, throw your money around, like, see if you can you know, if you can get half a million users off the back of a Super Bowl ad, that's like a, a massive um, leg up against all your competition and they're all trying to do the same thing. So if yeah. you look at like crypto.com's effort compared to Coinbase, it's just like you you set your money on fire. It was such a waste of money. I agree. No, um, not a single person is talking about the crypto.com ad, right? Yeah. And, and I think this is not really what we're talking about, but it feels to me like FTX is like a fair amount ahead just in terms of like what they're doing to attract more people, whether that's like ad spend or they just said they're launching uh, stocks in the US, I think. So they're going to have like, they'll be the platform for everything, I think. Oh, any like uh, any type of asset? Yeah, so they're bringing wow. like other like assets. Tokenized stocks or just... I don't stock. know yet, but I wouldn't okay. be surprised. Like, it's like for our trading, twenty four seven trading. It's the degenerate platform, right? FTX. <laughs> yeah, They're very clear the about that. Possible in the best very way. clear about that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, FTX. We're still accepting sponsorship yeah. deals here. All right. Um, the um, and they're launching an NFT platform too, right? So Coinbase is doing crypto native and NFTs. Coinbase is like, okay, we're going to list, uh, you know, a dozen currencies and they're already this like big beast that probably takes longer to get an asset on coinbase than it does on ftx right so just the i think the macro view is like the deadly combination of spending on ads the way they are and like just pulling features into their platforms yeah. is is it feels to me like they're uh, like the speed gonna is gonna catch up even though yeah. coinbase has already got to be what 80 million wallets in the US or something nuts they yeah, got a yeah. lot of they got a Dominate. big head start. Right. Yeah, the other thing I was going to say, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw this as it relates to, I'm just pulling up my screen as well. 
real quick. Can you see this on Twitter? This is FTX. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Straight right. off oh. the client bases. And <laughs> it's so good. It's just Sam Bankman freeze hair. Sam Bankman right, freak his head. Yes, yeah, it's a silhouette. <laughs> and it, they did the same thing. And, you know, they didn't pay another 10 million for that, obviously. Um, but quite a smart way to kind of react which is kind of a big like even when i'd worked on stuff like this in the past let me just stop sharing um what would happen is a lot of the brands would spend this crazy money like that th that one brand i have in my mind which was the same cmo that said they don't believe in the internet they call it internet the hold one on hold on below give some context yeah. behind the listeners oh so for people who haven't heard that episode yeah. yeah i was working at google one of my clients was a big footwear brand uh and they the cmo said I don't believe in the internet. We call it the internet. And my job, my team's job was to convince them that internet was a thing. And this is not 2001, right? This is like 2013, 14. So not crazy. But the point was they had all these massive moments. Like they do a Super Bowl ad. Um, there was another time where without giving too much away, like someone ran in their shoes and won like a big you know, race or whatever. And like you would go, yeah. And you would literally go and like Google the, the athlete's name and they, they weren't showing the ad, you know what I mean? Like oh they weren't capturing that demand and that was so infuriating to me because it's like you spent, you've already spent 99% of what you need to spend and now all you gotta do is this little reaction part where someone's searching, you just need to take them to the right page, keep the storytelling going. And in this case, it's a similar thing where FTX is like, oh, that's funny what they've done, let's jump on that trend. It's like called like trend jacking is another way of doing it, uh, describing it. And that's a funny, like whoever made that in quick time is yeah. you know, obviously deserves a raise. And, um, but you know, yeah. it, it's a smart way to like jump on it for sure. No, I was gonna say that your CMO sounds like he really liked the eToro Super Bowl ad. <laughs> yeah, 100%, <laughs> that style. He's he definitely like, you know, the best ad of the four is the eToro one followed by crypto.com. <laughs> Crypto.com, we're also looking for sponsors and title sponsors, so we're still in the running. <laughs> no, let me, uh, I had one more thought about uh, the 2000 parallel. So to Jack's point, uh, I agree that it's more of a land grab, very, very different. I think people just call it bubbly toppy, right? That was kind of the instinct that people were trying to say. But uh, there's a finance concept I wanted to bring up, which I think our listeners will appreciate. This is a fun fact fan for this episode. So have you guys ever heard of the skyscraper indicator? No, no. What's that? So over the past fifty, we'll call it over the past hundred years, uh, anytime a uh, a skyscraper is built and becomes the tallest building in the world, it like portends an economic downfall or like a drop in the stock market. The rationale being the height of the building and the money free flowing capital that allows for it to be built is the peak exuberance of society. Mm. Like everybody's getting so rich. They don't know what to do with all this free-flowing money that the only thing that they can think of as a society is to build the tallest building in the world. It's a physical so, top signal. Exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's a physical... <laughs> the, the exactly. It's now people buying NFT yeah. dogs. You know what I mean? So it's the skyscraper indicator. So this is where... So the, 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 the history isn't too far back. We're only going to go about 50 years. So in 1973, Sears Tower in Chicago, uh, I believe now it's called the Harris Tower. Uh, anyways... It becomes the largest tower in 1973. This pre precedes the stagflation decade in like America, right? And it stays the tallest building in the world until 1998. 1998, the tallest building in the world becomes the Kuala Lumpur building, the Patronus Towers. And the Patronus Towers become uh, the tallest building in the world 
mm. uh, at the time of the Asian financial crisis. So yeah. Malaysia was one of the key countries in the Asian financial crisis. They had gotten so much hot money from the West uh, during the, the uh, roaring 90s, the boom time of the 90s. Uh, and then it stayed the tallest building in the world for, uh, for six years. 2004, Taipei 101 in Taiwan comes the tallest building in the world. What happens a couple of years later? Great financial crisis, right? And then now the tallest building in the world is uh, the Burj Khalifa. Did I say that right? In Dubai? In Dubai, right? Yeah. It became the tallest building at the end of the financial crisis, 2009. Or like when the financial crisis, the, the acute part of it ended. What's next, so like, Well, right next? now, well, <laughs> funny enough, uh, the tallest building in the world that's supposed to be completed at the end of this year is another tower in Malaysia. And uh, the Saudi Arabia also was trying to build one called the Jeddah Tower. But uh, I just find it funny that... Uh, the, the skyscraper indicator has seen some of the same feelings at these toppy moments during the Super Bowl. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a funny theory, but I kind of like it. Not investment <laughs> advice. Not, Not investment, investment advice. But <laughs> I, I would equate the equivalent now to the dog coins and everything, obviously. But I mean, it's close. I mean, that we've just taken all like for like the digital real estate, you know, like people yeah. now buying digital real estate. That's true. Again, I'm not being fud below here. Like, I'm trying to buy digital real estate too, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, uh, so wait, when we start living in the metaverse and people start erecting the tallest That's buildings the in the metaverse. Yeah. Like somebody erects a building, like, like stretches from here to Mars. Like, Oh yeah, this is the top man. How did he, how did they afford all that digital real estate? The central land getting smashed right now. People buying it up, dude. Um, so I mean, just to come back to the, the ads, uh, just to finish it off. Jack, we didn't get your take on um, like the actual your favorite out of the, the out of all four. I think Trung, you already said your favorite was Larry David, the Larry yeah. Larry David one. From your expert advertising opinion, Jack, what was the one that stood out to you? I think you didn't like any of them. No, I would say um, give different ones top spots in different categories. I think the framing of the FTX one was great, like the you don't often see a like well articulated reason like why to buy crypto and three yeah. out of four of those are just like buy crypto. It's <laughs> like, it's not, it's not convincing a layman who is, you know, the, a large swath of people watching the Super Bowl are not like internet native or technology native people. So I think FTX did a good job framing the story as like, Oh, here's this invention that maybe was mocked when it first came around. Right. And it's on a path to be a very, very prominent part of your life. And you're going to look back and imagine, like, laugh at a world where you thought it was stupid. So I think the framing of that was good. I think overall, like, quality ad, just especially compared to, like, the storytelling across the board. And Larry David, obviously, perfect execution from him. Yeah. And then Coinbase, I think... Like you have to have like a set on you to, to do that as yeah, an ad set and like get that through. <laughs> so I respect that from just a pure like. Pushing you know, it through. Just, to the- just getting that through and being like somebody had to stand a meeting and go, yeah, we're going to spend 16 mil on this. Um, and yeah, it sounds like it converted too. But it's also like there's an opportunity for education there even with the way they got attention, you know? So yeah. like you get in from the QR code, but then after you land, it's like buy Bitcoin. 
Yeah. Whereas it could have been like, you know, there's a kind of a hybrid between the two, maybe like imagine if you had two of those working together or two of those, like the strength of that narrative. So mm, yeah, both good for different reasons, I think. Um, and I wonder at this point who hasn't got like the opportunity to claim $10 of free Bitcoin. Yeah. I think everybody's kind of seen that at this point. Um, so I think FTX, I hope they continue on that path where they're like, let's get some like seriously massive storytelling firepower and frame this up in new ways because yeah you know the matt damon one was just universally criticized and for good reason it's like you mean crypto.com crypto.com yeah the crypto.com one with matt damon before yeah. the super bowl that was like climb mount everest or like go to space and it was trying to do what the ftx thing was doing but it was just too grandiose and ridiculous yeah um so yeah two and then um i would say both of those like have merit in different ways so, Jack, I think you nailed it because I want to give you a quote from Sam Bankman-Fried, the CEO of uh, FTX, is what he said about the Larry David ad. We need to meet people where they are, and that means embracing skepticism. A lot of people who are now the biggest advocates of crypto once had significant reservations. Brilliant, right? It's exactly what you said. It's like, the reality is this. Not everyone is going to have the pom-poms out, right? So, like, we're going to meet them mentally where they are, and we're going to be, like you said, Jack, when these people look back though, will they feel like, Hey, it's like every time something new came along, we made fun of it, but look what ha happened. So you're putting it in that class of thing, but doing it so much better than crypto did where you just have Matt Damon walking around in space and be like, Hey, we're like climbing Everest. Right? Yeah. I would, I would argue there are only skeptics left. Right. Like, right. 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 And Sam Bankman fried is like an arbitrage dude, right? He gets arbitrage and he's like the arbitrage opportunity in communication is like, everybody has heard of crypto and bitcoin at this point so the only angle we have from the narrative side for the like non-believers is like yeah this looks ridiculous right now we understand here's why it's not perfectly that's a, yeah i love that you said that he's an arbitrage guy because he no, literally did currency man. arbitrage right like that yeah. he did like was it crypto arbitrage or something it's like bitcoin that. in like a japanese market and selling yeah. it back in the us or something he's making yeah, 10 mil a day yeah the big but the big spread between what bitcoin was costing in, in japan versus the us you're right that's how he started uh yeah. basically down this road and man i, I love just to summarize what jack butcher just said mind-blowing he's saying that sam bankman free the ceo of ftx found the arbitrage of communication and the crypto curious is like what segment of society is not being like approached because right now it's like you said it's like all these things like etor's like hey come join these things but the crypto person and the kid the uh skeptics are like this is the dumbest thing ever but sam bagman frieds going to this other part that's being untouched or not being serviced properly yeah great well well put both of you and it's uh, like we should be seeing a lot more if that's like coming from him and that's another thing like he runs that company he's not a cmo yeah. Like that's like a founder led direction on the communication side. And a lot of technical people that found these businesses are not good storytellers, right? Especially not like retail storytellers. So and they don't believe they not only are they not good, they don't even value it enough to say we want to focus on that. Right. I mean, there's right. Two different things, right? Because like Brian Armstrong is a technical background guy, right? But like and they, they might not have done it exactly in the same way. But that needs sign off at someone like his level to be like, okay, I understand the value of doing something ridiculous like this. And uh, but you're right, it's different 
that one you can directly make a pitch to the CEO and say we're going to get 500,000 people download the app we're going to be talked about because it's going to stop people in the tracks the other thing we're interested in with QR code is in the last two years QR code has been around forever but last two years everyone including my mum and dad are using QR codes like when they go out somewhere they go to Starbucks they go to a restaurant so it's like everyone's actually ready to, to be like oh what the hell is that oh that's so a it, great point yeah, yeah that's yeah. a great point that used to be like Thumbs universally on. mocked in advertising as well exactly. like it was like oh QR code there's no reason for a QR code you're right it's like riding on a cultural behavior that's like exactly. everybody every time they go out and a men- user menu is doing that now right and, and the other thing I'd say is it's specific to the platform right like not to be all academic about it but you can't now use that ad on a youtube pre-roll in my opinion because you know most 80 percent of traffic or views on youtube are on mobile and now you need your mobile device to scan a qr code so you're gonna have to oh, screenshot dude. it and do that you can't even do that whereas on tv they already know people are second screening that everyone's on their phone like if you're in the bar everyone's on their phone looking at the tweets looking at the memes i'm looking at trung wearing the dm and trung's like uh, jackson's trung this 50 cent inflation thing and i'm like oh trung's about to make one live yeah. you know that's the, that's part of the the fun of it when you're watching a YouTube ad or you're watching a banner ad on the internet, you're not scanning a QR code. Right? Oh, like, dude, that is so, so that's, true. That's I never thought about the, f- the second screen. Yeah. Man, the mechanics of it, the more we talk about the Coinbase one, it's freaking brilliant. Yeah, they're clever for sure. Yeah, yeah, that was a very, well, I'll tell the uh, last thing I'll leave on that is you guys know who made it. You guys will know more about me than this. Jap- uh, well, Dentsu MB, which is, I know Dentsu is originally Japanese, but I'm assuming this is like the North American counterpart. But what is Dentsu's reputation? Is this consistent with stuff they've done? So I don't know a lot about him, but it's a good name. I think my, the guy that mentored me was a, spent a lot, a bit of time at Dentsu, like, you know, multinational quality agency. Yeah. Um, And I wonder, um, big brand. Yes. Yeah. Man, I'm imagining all of these like big advertising holding companies are trying to get the crypto exchanges businesses in the same way that like, in the two like thousands, those are like the golden accounts, right? You want yeah. the people that are chucking money around because you're gonna then get the creative talent that wants to work on right. that business, and like it's a really like there's an interesting economy beneath this, like in the on the creative side, because people thought of crypto until recently as like, oh, you need to be an engineer or you need to have technical skills or even be a like interface designer, but now it's prominent enough that like there are opportunities for people in like you know, visual creative industries or like narrative creative industries to get involved in, in this stuff. So it's going to be, uh, it's a, it's a reason you choose to work at one agency over another is like, what clients do you have and how ambitious are they? And that's like, Oh, they're willing to spend 20 million to put a QR code on TV, (laughs) like with no soundtrack creatives (laughs) will be lining up to work for an agency that is like managed to sell that into a client. That's interesting. People, this is why you listen to NIA. You're learning about the, the guts of the industry here. We're not just here to talk about memes and jokes, okay? We're not it's here all, to show everything's a meme. All of energies. these are memes too. So yeah, yeah definitely. Like and like that's a real layer of this as well, right? Like the, the yes, there's the results that come from the ad, but there's all this like waterfall of stuff that comes down the road as a result of doing something interesting or different. Whereas you could just light money on fire and do some generic thing and it maybe it's awareness but there's it's i think this what's cool about especially the coinbase thing is it proves that the super bowl ad format 
is not done yet, right? It's, yeah. You can still innovate and that's a cool, that's a, I think they'll maybe it will in, inspire a bit more creativity next year. Cause I think at least 80% of the stuff was like eye gougingly shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to say to wrap up my thought on it. I actually think Super Bowl ads are still the best opportunity around for um, brand, a brand moment. Like, even though I'm like a digital marketing person, I love being able to see all the numbers and everything. There aren't many places you're going to get 100 million people watching at the same time. And then, crucially, amplification from social media. You didn't have that in 2000. Oh, yeah. Crazy. So now you're getting the memes. I was talking about it. You got the the reaction from FTX doing their version of Sam Bankman-Fried. There's just, but you need to have, as a company, you need both talent. You need that like initial splash kind of like storytelling um, element. And then you need those savvy, quick-witted people to be on the memes, to be on the the fast stuff. So it's just, it's a really interesting opportunity, man. It's, it's pretty cool to see. Um, but I agree, most of the ads were kind of forgettable. There weren't many others that I even remember, to be honest, so. Um, there was a meta one we could have talked about that you know the dog thing did you, did you see that one that wait one. hold on meta did an ad yeah you didn't see the oculus ad no oh. no i didn't see it but oh, now it's been hold on can we uh jack pull up pull up something uh hold on a second here you got you got you got you got one what the meta ad yeah can you I can pull it up it's long happened? though i can yeah, explain just, yeah walk through it so basically what happened is like uh it's like a puppet dog and it's like performing in this, uh, I don't know, dive bar or something or like entertain, like pizza shop or something with his mates. And then like he gets shut down. It's a robot thing. And then he goes like through all his different stages of life where he basically ends up in a dump. Right. And he's like about to get like compressed in a like garbage disposal thing. And then uh, dark. <laughs> someone, yeah, it's, it's really dark. Someone drags him out and then like puts him in this base center where he's like a, a prop. And then one, I don't know how he gets it, but one day he straps the Oculus back on and his legs disappear. And then he's back in uh, the original place with his mates doing uh, what he was doing when he was younger. So it's like, it's kind of a dystopian message. It's like, hey, even if your life goes to absolute shambles, just get an Oculus and everything will be great again. <laughs> that, like that, that, was, that was the uh, that was an overarching thesis eh, of, the, of that ad. I, uh, now that you mentioned, I saw a... Uh, a, a meme from one of, uh, let's, let's end it on this, but a meme from one of our favorite accounts, a cryptic no something. I can't see what the last word is, but uh, he just uh, has that, that video uh, image of uh, Walter White, you know, in the lab uh, working on chemicals and it goes like meta crafting the worst ad ever. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, I think it's like, we, you know, oh, people on, are already like nervous of a future where people so uh, you know one of the responses i read have you seen the guy sitting outside a tent with the meta with the meta yeah uh, yeah, yeah yeah it's basically they said they literally made that into a super bowl ad like, like the, the dude, homeless, the homeless dude that, with yeah, the insane. oculus on mental oh my goodness oh my goodness all right boys should we move on uh, i think we've covered that pretty well anything else on super bowl before we before we move on to no, that was, oh, that, was that. that was deep that was a great little breakdown. Um, all right, let's move on. So we got nouns. Jack, you texted us in our group chat at one point. Uh, this was a few weeks ago. And you had just been selling the noun glasses hoodies. I think you called them the nudie, yeah. which was fun. Um, and you said, I'm so long CCO, it's effing mad. 
And, <laughs> um, I hope you don't mind me reading out. No, no, it's great. But yeah, yeah DMs, um, DMs. DMs. And so, look, so first of all, I mean, people have heard us talk about this before, but for new listeners or people who haven't heard that episode, let's paint a picture of what nouns are in the NFT space and what CCO is specifically mm-hmm. and why you're so bullish on it. Let's do CCO first. So, cool. um, quite good off the back of the what does Super it stand Bowl. For? Hold on, what does it stand for? Uh, I actually don't know what it maps to, but it's Creative Commons Zero, which basically means there are no restrictions to using this IP in a commercial context, in any context, right? You can, um, you can take the visual, the words, the sound, whatever it is, and repurpose it however you like. Um, so typically like to use an image you would pay a pay a fee based on how many people is gonna are gonna see it how big you're gonna display it like getting images right like you gotta pay like the license to getty to use like random photographers yeah exactly and that's getty that's a service that's actually built to distribute ip outside of that there's like brands where if you use it you're gonna get you know cease and desist or you're gonna get challenged in a court of law somehow or even like just the contracts that you have to draw up to use IP are incredibly complex, right? Like if two brands collaborate, there's probably a dozen lawyers that have to get together and write contracts and say when and where this can be used and how far this thing needs to be placed away from that thing and blah, blah, blah. So CCO as a concept is essentially like you can use this IP in any way you want. We like give up all like ownership rights in inverted commas to pursue legal action if someone like uses this in a different context so that's cco nouns we've talked about on the podcast before which is a primarily a dao but built through a nft project right so in the same vein or inspired by some of these ten thousand image um profile picture projects they have a slightly different mechanic where they release one every day and it's a 24 hour auction and the proceeds from every sale goes into a treasury, which is then managed by the people who buy the nouns. So they're up to like 250, 260 days. I think there's about 120, 130 holders and there's about 60 million bucks in this treasury. So, as a project like they have embraced this idea of cco so people own the nfts that give them governance rights in the dao but anybody outside can take any of that visual ip take the name take the font that they use take anything and build other projects off the back of that right and they have this very um this symbol, the glasses, the nouns glasses, they call them, which are on every single one of the characters. And they're these, you know, completely square, very recognizable pixelated glasses. They actually showed up in a Super Bowl ad last night. Really? They were, they were yeah, in, they were in like 10 frames of the Bud Light ad. So wait, the Bud gla- Light. Like, cartoon glasses are actual real life versions of those glasses. No, I think they were they were the cgi right? on a okay, painting okay. okay yeah so and just for people uh, just visually i'm just going to share your screen of your hoodie actually jack so if people watch it on youtube can see it while you're talking about it you can see that there it's like this okay. is the blue one right yeah yeah so that? That, so if you pull up below if you put in nouns.wtf in the top just for everyone watching this is like the this is the site where they get auctioned every day so right now this one's being auctioned 
every day if you use the arrow at the top you can go back so we're on noun 208 today every single one of them is going to have a pair of these glasses and then, on. wait hold on and the winning bid for these are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars is this correct yes oh, so most the of current, them holy so and how much did the when the, when the project started they're doing one a day for ten thousand days is this right uh they're doing one a day forever it's inflationary forever okay so doing one a day forever and the first one costed how much uh, I, th it has to be hundred, 200 ETH. I can't remember exactly, but it was like the first one generally sells for a premium because it's, you know, there's no, a historical. Okay. What about numbers 10 through 20? What were they selling for? Ballpark. Around a hundred. It's, oh, it's hovered so around there. I think the lowest it's gotten down to is 30, 40, 50. Um, there's been like a lull over Christmas, but picked back up. So, um, and, sorry, and then Jack, we've also to call out, sorry, there's a connection with cryptos here, right? Because we've talked about. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah. So there have been like other projects that have taken this, um, essentially this same philosophy, which is like, you can remix any of this content and, you know, use it in whatever context you like. Cryptodes was one of the first projects. And we talked about it in a good amount of detail when that came out a few months ago. And this was one of the reasons I think Cryptodes was like had that initial cultural velocity too is because it tapped into this bigger narrative of the nouns those cryptodes with that characteristic the nouns glasses trade at like a two or three x premium over the um you know over a different over one that w wouldn't have that so the reason i think it's powerful my experience in particular gives me like i think a different view of it so in building visualized value and talking to hundreds, thousands of people that are building things on the internet, trying to like establish network effect for themselves. It's very hard, right? It's very hard to yeah. like, you guys both know this, you've built things on the internet, like starting from scratch is extremely difficult. And what's very interesting about this approach is like, if you can pack enough meaning into a symbol that can give someone like, a kickstart of like cultural velocity, right? In the same way that you see like a Nike swoosh and you know what that stands for, right? Just do it or like um, athletic excellence or just the notion of like pursuing some physical th or anything really, right? The swoosh is like... Yeah, it's like any type of ambition of like pushing yourself to the limit. It like encapsulates all these ideas right now, right? Like exactly. Push yourself to the limit, accomplish things you couldn't believe you could accomplish. Yeah, and like Jack, you Jack, know, everyone's you an athlete. That? Did you t did you tweet the nouns glasses other Nike swoosh or Nike swoosh or is that someone else? No, I tweet them next to each other. So it's like these are the yeah. these are the two schools of thought, right? And the nouns school of thought is like completely uh, nascent. Right, this is the antithesis of brand marketing. It's like, well, if you can't protect the context in which your symbol appears, you have nothing. Like yeah. anyone can take that away from you or go and make a competing product or blah, blah. But that was a behavior that came to like, that was standardized in a completely different environment, right? When you're making physical products or you have a supply chain to protect or you have like a moat that isn't secured by the virality of something on the internet. So there's like keying into this model that is, you know, your, the notoriety of a meme on the internet is, um, dependent on how like 
easy it is to replicate the thing, right? And if you give complete free reign to people to replicate the thing, then one, you have to execute it in a way that people want to reproduce it, right? This is not, you can't just take anything and say, hey, anybody can use this. And it's hey, like a guaranteed cool, path right? to right. profitability. It has to, be, has to be something that people are interested in replicating. So I think they did that. Um, they did that well, but there are mechanical components to it too, where one, it's like incredibly easy to replicate. It's not like, uh, if you think about, I, I wouldn't say easy. Maybe easy is the wrong word to use. But if you think about the board ape aesthetic, it's very, very particular to like a, a very niche type of uh, artist, right? You can kind of tell the brush strokes of that artwork is like the work of a few people. Pixel art is very different in that it's like this plug and play system. You have like a grid of pixels, say there's 32 across, 32 down. You could put like, the aesthetic is very recognizable and it creates this like playground where people can um, add to this library of stuff and it all feels like it's related. So I think that like, that's another thing they tapped into. And um, we talked at length about these debates of like crypto punks versus crypto funks, right? And people putting pressure on a artist to basically go back and revert their decision to protect their work. You know, people are like, I should be able to use this thing. Like I own it. I want the commercial rights to it. And I don't agree with that approach because that's not, they didn't build it for that. Right. It's not yeah. in the DNA of the project. Like we didn't build it that way. Um, yeah, sure. You can retroactively apply it, but you're not like people didn't buy it for that. So you're not, people aren't entering and buying into the community because of that feature to begin with. So what makes you think that's a behavior that they're going to be interested in, in doing? So by setting that precedent from day one, you have this like, you've, you've built a community around the ethos of a, you know, multiplication, CCO, like people that are attracted to that community are not even necessarily looking for a way to monetize the single thing they own, they believe in the thesis or at least they want to experiment with the thesis of CCO as like this mechanism for value creation. So um, that's like been running around my head for months and months since I saw it. And the real like moment in time where I got it was like that the hats, hoodies, like these relatively simple executions of merchandise with that, um, with that symbol attached to them. Yeah. And you like, this is a, a Bilal observation. You could see it in the numbers. Like how many people click on that when you have that symbol, how many people buy. Um, and that thing is like, there is an affinity for it that exists. And I don't need to own one in order to do that. Like I, I like yeah. it could continue to do that forever without that. But the, thing that is now like compelling me to be a part of it is to like see how they're building it from the inside and have like the ability to vote on how this thing comes to life and the, the way in which the treasury funds are spent. So how they got Bud Light to put a set of nouns glasses in the, in their Super Bowl commercial. That's a decision made by the Dow. Um, they, they bought the, there was a, a noun with a beer head like, I don't know, a month ago now. And the foundation, like the, 
the Dow Foundation basically secured that now to give it to Budweiser. Oh, amazing. Budweiser, I think Bud Light's put, stuck it as their profile picture. So it's like, it's this it's complete experiment in, um, you know, can you fuel like a different type of brand with um, this completely different incentive structure and model? And the things that I've seen so far, I think there's like a good shot at it. Um, the other one thing I'll say, which is like a little bit of a philosophical rant in the space is like a lot of these projects are, let me like try and tie this thing to my identity, right? And it's becoming like these weird identity politics things that you're seeing play out in various degrees of like con controversy. Like there's the controversy within crypto punks of like how representative they are of the people who are buying right. them. Like, right? and like typically, images, right? There's not no yeah, law, typically no the people who have been nerding out in crypto are like a certain demographic and they buy the, um, the characters that look the most like them. Right. right? And they bid them up. Yeah. So, yeah. but this is completely different. It's like, this is, you know, the one I got is a duck. There's a. I was going to share it um, so people can have a look. You just bought this one, right? Yeah. So let's frame it. Jack owns one of these. So he just got one, dude. Yeah. This he owns guy. one. If that wasn't already clear to everybody. Yeah. There's, so there's like, one's got a skateboard for a head, one's got a, a DNA helix for a head. Like, and you. The thing that excites me about that is like, then you can start to think about like the massive broad application of this stuff. Like, uh, there's already a, a kid's coloring book that these guys built oh, and it's free. Yeah. Right. So you can take all of these like pieces of IP that actually represent not like nouns, right? Nouns is a, is a funny twist on, um, pronouns which would be like someone's name like sorry not someone's name but like about your identity versus yeah. this thing that is not you it's like a thing that anybody can own everybody talks about everybody references so it's a very different um and i think clever way to build this massive movement and community and like have people attached to the things that they identify with like the duck I love Donald Duck. Like actually, uh, in a couple episodes time, hopefully I'm gonna have some little Donald Duck uh, go. pieces in the back here. The studio is getting built, son. I see that. Yeah. So like, there's just the interesting little um, components of it. And it's run by uh, people that really helped me get my head around the whole uh, Web3 and NFT space. We talked about um, 4156 who uh, was a four one five six punk four one five six who was a big character in this like cco debate and like actually built this as a response right doesn't sit and shout and be like hey this is bs i want rights to this he's like no i'm selling i'm like literally dumping my position in projects that don't work this way and i'm gonna build my own um yeah so skin in the game that's my respect just, right that's like i love it when people are just like you know what? i'm just gonna rebuild yeah, yeah. Can, can ask Jack to, but his name is Punk Four One Five Six, or yeah. he or she is, uh, whatever. Um, do punks have this as well? No, because so like, does he still have the punk, or he's no longer owns the? No, punk? he sold it. He sold but he's it. still got the name. He does. That's to, his identity. To, to emphasize, he sold it, but he kept on cutting the price of it, which was pissing people in the punks community off because he's like, you, you're you're 
you're reducing the value of all mm. our asset because you're selling this at a lower cut rate. I remember this. I yeah. can't remember what episode it was, but yeah. We yeah, talked about, yeah, it was dropping at 500 ETH like every 10 minutes or something. It was like pretty aggressive. Um, 500 ETH is uh, about 150K, 100K, six figures, yeah. right? Yeah, he sold yeah. it for 10 mil. Like his his uh, his punk was like this iconic. Unreal, yeah, man. Sold it for 10 million bucks. And that was what mostly widely regarded as like, uh, he lost a bit of money on it, but well, based on you know what the yeah. market would bear, um, obviously he made money on it. Well, that that dash perfect transition actually to can you tell us about you were sending something around? Did a punk sell for twenty three million? Twenty three, yeah, twenty three million five eight two two eight thousand Ethereum, yeah. So okay, that's a record. That's that's a new record, yeah. So for those who don't know, the like um, the top tier punk is an alien, there's nine of them in the, in the, the 10,000 supply. So somebody claimed this for free three years ago, right? Oh this, my man. goodness. You uh, can't even give a return on that because you can't divide something by zero. Right, right. <laughs> like... I don't know what the transaction history is on it. If you go back to that, Bilal. Uh, on the screen? All right. Yeah, go it? back to the screen and click the link and then you'll be able to see like where it's changed hands. Yeah, let's, let's walk through some of uh, the frequency and some of the highlights of the numbers here. Let me one second here. Um, sure. But this guy, um, I believe his name is Deepak, and he's yeah. the CEO of Chain.com. Yeah, here yeah. he is. You can see that, yeah. So if you go to that uh, that link, Lava which Labs. is just after, that's the one. Yeah, you'll see that you should see the transaction history on Are it. You're yeah. seeing Lava Labs in on the screen. One of share. nine alien punks. Yeah. So, this punk has one attribute. Unreal, mm. man. And then if you go down, you have all the transaction history. So here you go. Oh. I don't know if it ever changed hands like via the marketplace. Oh, bid, 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 bid. Yeah, keep going down. Uh, Bilal, let's go all the way down. Offer, oh, there's offer, a transfer, transfer last yeah. year, February 21. Well, it doesn't say the price. Is that normal? No, that, so that's if it, if it didn't transact through the platform, someone transferred it privately, right? Got it. So it might be somebody like putting it in what, one wallet and transferring it to a cold storage but or whatever. This time here, last year. 2017 sold 8 ETH. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on a second. Hold on. Blah, let me walk through these numbers that you're showing here. So yeah. in July 2017, this CryptoPunk's worth $1,600. Fast forward to January 2021, it's worth $2,700. Fast forward two years, it's worth $25 million. So it jumped from 2.7K to $25 million in two years. Oh, my. Ah, ah. Jesus Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Say trunk. That's so, Jesus Christmas. So this guy apparently bought this, bought it on leverage too. Bullish. Based on that reply. How does that even work? I, I don't even I believe know. that's what you call the skyscraper indicator, boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back, exactly. So I'm assuming he deposited like 30 million bucks worth of Ethereum in compound and oh then took God. out 23 and bought what? this. Right, and then I could the, collateralize loan sort of thing. Exactly, the bet is that ETH increases in in value to the extent that you know you can, is, can you pay the obligation. Compound? What is the compound situation here? How does that work? Compound finance is like a DeFi pool, and Bilal, correct me if I'm getting anything wrong here, but they accept like ten or twelve um, different uh, tokens. So Ethereum, like I think three different stable coins, um, maybe Aave. And it's a really simple interface. Like you can you can basically check any of your tokens as collateral into Compound, and then it will give you a 
There you go. Yeah. So there's a supply market, which you can contribute to. So say you put a hundred grand in a supply market, they'll lend you back 60 grand at X percent. So it's like collateralized loans for crypto. Um, this is, uh, I'm not saying this in a negative way. This has skyscraper indicator feelings all over it. <laughs> uh, I'm playing. It's back smart. To Fiat fan. Yeah, no, I mean like, uh, I did some reading on fan. compound. It's, uh, I mean, it's smart, right? There's always assets yeah. that no banks will touch. And so it's just free bips to be made. And it looks like they're doing it at pretty reasonable rates. And uh, the interface looks yes, pretty one slick. of the staple like DeFi, kind of blue chip, one of the blue chip DeFi platforms. Yeah. I can never remember which one's which because they all do, they all use similar kind of words. But great name. So that's by interesting. The way. Great name. Yes. And I think it's like Basically the optionality of to then borrow. Yeah. And I think it's like this is as mad as it sounds to say, like this is built for people that are moving obscene amounts of money around, right? Yeah. Like if even if you're putting five figures in there, you're going to see, I don't know, 50 cents of interest a month. Like it's not a savings account. It's like financial engineering. Like if you understand where like, I mean, I'm not even going to do this explanation justice, but if you think you can get like a better yield somewhere and you don't, sell like it's a way around like the obligations of selling crypto that's appreciated right you don't pay tax on borrowed income not investment yeah, advice etc etc we, we, we've talked about how rich people not even in crypto across the board for years right. they you have your collateral you don't sell it because when you sell it you have capital gains tax so if you're going to pay 25 percent or whatever the amount is depending on where you are instead you'll just take a loan on that collateral pay two three percent and so that's kind of but this is not going to Goldman Sachs and speaking to Johnny, J Johnny Rich guy, right? You're doing Johnny, this on- <laughs> Johnny Rich managing director yeah, guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bilal well, just hasn't come up with the uh, the, the full on uh, uh, the nickname, uh, the, the jokey I nickname. I made that yet. one up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Definitely didn't. But yeah, so, um, but this one is done through a smart contract. You're like connecting, clicking a button. Yeah. It verifies there's an amount in there. You take out the loan. Not Johnny, um, not Johnny MD over here. Okay. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, and there's um, varying degrees yeah. of risk, right? These there's like collateral pools that'll pay you thirty percent, but the chances that somebody's going in there and draining the whole thing is is a lot higher than if That's you're getting you get paid, paid half a percent. Yeah, right. Yeah. This smart contract risk. Yeah. So history has been made once more. Yeah, Got and uh, this will not be the last time we uh, have a record-breaking CryptoPunk sale, I'm sure. Wow, Fiat God. fan laying it down, man. There's yeah, a, there it is. There's a um, auction at Christie's for 108 or 109 punks coming up soon. Uh, Chris, Christie's or Sotheby's. So uh, something will be broken. It's yeah, it's interesting. Like why people would opt to do that. I guess the press is huge. And like, but you're obviously paying a huge premium to sell them at an auction house. And I don't well, know if you're going to make that. Your what? punk's winning. Your punk is winning. The punk you own. <laughs> you, you still own have a punks, punk, right, right Jack? I got two, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's it. what I mean. You're winning. Like this is good for you. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And and like talking about um, collateralized loans, people. Um, 
have now built platforms where you can deposit NFTs as collateral too. Yeah. So yeah, I saw that even for getting a mortgage. I saw so actually the clicks to bricks. Yeah. We talked about for it's you. Happening. Yeah, I'm going to get rid of them. Pioneer. Now. Pioneer right here. Jack Butcher. Well, I sold mine, man. So I'm a freaking. But I mean, like, you pioneer clicks to bricks, brother. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. That was a great summary, Jack. Thanks for, for doing that. I know you're going to have to jump in a second. Um, the last. You're going to jump else, at two, yeah? Anything else on the NFTs before uh, we, we wrap that up, boys? I think that was good. That was good. I'll, um, so I'm going to be joining all of the um, like town halls for the for the dow and i think this is just like uh in the few places i've been this is the one dow where people have actually referenced like yes like very well run and Worth listening into to listen see how, in like, and get involved and i'm trying to bring some of that knowledge back to the listeners of nia yeah. so that's amazing yes. man well Beautiful. congrats on thank the you. noun thank it, you i like i like it um all right trunk jack if you can hang cool if not, rewatch this because you're going to learn something. Yeah. <laughs> For the listeners here, yeah, I pulled up the up, slides. Man. I'm so as part of the uh, Heather Morgan, Ilya Lichtenstein, a $4.5 billion a Bitcoin heist. One of the things that came out of it was uh, Heather Morgan, AKA uh, Razzlecon, which is her rapper alias. Uh, some screenshots came out of a talk she gave at a NYC salon. I think this is some like, I guess a TED talkish type of event. I don't know if you're familiar, but I found four slides on the internet. They kind of went around the internet. So she gave a whole course, uh, a whole talk about social engineering, which is hilarious, right? It just adds another layer to like everything that happened with the heist and her rapper personality. I just want to talk to you uh, through some of her social engineering slides because I think it's hilarious and they're actually very practical tips. So uh, her, her, her slides were about crashing any event. So if you wanted to crash an event, what would you do and what were the levers that you can pull? So one thing that I will tee this up with was, uh, here's the first slide, but before I get into that, let me explain to Bilal. I was like, yeah, go on. So the software company that she normally runs is called Salesfolk and it helps B2B companies uh, work on cold emails. So like her whole shtick is that she knows how to social engineer people. And full disclosure, I received... Twitter DMs from Heather Morgan in November 2020. Did I they totally come across as automated? Did they come across as like a no, real person? She so it's all part of her social engineering kind of uh, uh, image. So a, a couple of her uh, of articles for Forbes, they're all in the public domain. She wrote a few articles about social engineering. One of them was saying that Sasha Baron Cohen is the greatest social engineer ever. So Sasha Baron Cohen, for the people who don't know, is a creator and actor behind Borat. Uh, behind uh, Ali G. Uh, Bruno, Ali G. So his whole thing is he knows how to create personalities and invade spaces and get into spaces and, and, and elicit ridiculous responses. Oh, right? yeah. He's a king he, at that. He's a king, right? I mean, he, yeah. he's the UK. I mean, you guys know Ali G growing up. I mean, Ali G growing up, that was like, I watched it with my dad. I mean, he's the best, right? We'll be saying Booyakasha. Yeah, so Booyakasha. <laughs> well, his most recent one, the one that she's writing about was, uh, you, did you watch the thing? Uh, he did a thing called This Is America. He basically yeah, came up with, yeah. With he made like five characters, right? And uh, each character... Uh, uh, he he builds like this background about them and like invades different places. He interviewed Dick Cheney. He gave Dick Cheney a, so a water jug uh, for what you know the waterboarding uh, accusations against Guantanamo Bay. Like Dick Cheney basically signed off on. He during an interview he gave uh, Dick Cheney a water jug to have him sign it. So the whole point is like she 
is a student of Sasha Baron Cohen in the sense of like, she wants to learn from him how to take the ideas of social engineering. And basically for the listeners and, and viewers here, what social engineering means to Heather Morgan is the ability to, you know, make people do stuff that they otherwise wouldn't do. It's like persuasion. Right. And uh, she's just talking specifically about in her presentation, how to break into events. I, I just think it's funny. It, it gives you really a, a, yeah. a look into her mind, but so here she is at the salon. That's her. How does social engineer your way into anything? Uh, here's a slide. This is really funny. She I love goes, this is like someone took a picture. Like, yeah, hilarious, audience, right? right? So uh, she goes, if you want to crash an event, you need to have stuff on you that helps you kind of navigate the place, right? So she's like, you should have badges to look official, press passes. Uh, you want cigarettes and gum so you can share it with people. And that kind of uses on the uh, the persuasion technique of uh, reciprocity, right? If you give somebody a stick of gum, they'll be like, oh, yo, thanks for the gum. Like, how can I help you, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, some other stuff she does is like a notebook to look like a journalist, a professional camera to look like a photographer. The last two are hilarious. Wear a black shirt in case you need to look like security, right? So you so can start. Dumb. That's so. And then the last one is wear layers of clothing uh, in case you need to modify because somebody's chasing you. I mean, this is all. I, you I can't bet make you this, this is up, like, man. You these are like CIA tactics. I bet yeah. you they teach their agents. Like, these are like the moves when you need to navigate spaces, right? And so the next part is uh, hilarious. So this is what she's done in the past to. In addition to everything she's bringing, which is like the badges and the black shirt, she's also learning uh, uh, some techniques, which I've actually used at the club. Have you ever been at a nightclub? And uh, <laughs> wait, but, uh, so have you ever been Mrs. at a nightclub? Mrs. Fan, turn away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, Mrs. Fan, don't listen. Have you ever been at a nightclub and uh, your, your, your buddies are kind of circling the club and you don't know what to do and you need to look like you're occupied so you pretend like you're on your phone? Yeah, of course. It's like <laughs> the default, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you don't want to look like a total knob so you're pretending like you're texting somebody and like you have friends so like one of her tips is like pretend to be on the phone if like people are following you around or like think you're looking suspicious and the other thing she does is uh this is so sketchy lurk and listen they just start yeah, eavesdropping that's such a weird some label man right it's just yeah. crazy and this is her whole thing and uh the last thing i'll show is um which is hilarious was uh she uh, she actually shows pictures at the end of her presentation of all the different places she broke into. <laughs> that she didn't talk about the the Bitcoin exchange. Yeah, the, that she, she didn't talk about the to... she didn't talk about the the four point five billion dollar Bitcoin heist. To be clear, she didn't wasn't involved in the hack. She was laundering the money. This was my theory. Uh, she had her and her husband Ilya Lichtenstein. They traveled quite a bit. Were networked globally, Southeast Asia, Middle East. I suspect the hackers were from an emerging market, potentially Southeast Asia, and that they basically pitched themselves as like the Western know-how mm. to launder the money, right? Mm. And- uh, is This is I, all speculation, right? Is, all speculation. This about is, this or this is the uh, fan? No, no, well, I mean like she, her master's thesis was about food stability in the Middle East. She studied at the University of Cairo. She's oh, very well-traveled. Like if you, if you, cause I did it, I wanted, to, when I realized she had messaged me, I wrote a whole thing about it for my Substack. She, uh, you, you search Vietnam under her name on her Twitter. Tons of things come. She lived there. She has lots of friends in Vietnam. She's written four articles about Vietnamese entrepreneurs. But she's like seems to be very well plugged into Southeast Asia for some reason. And I'm like, this is kind of sketchy. Um, Vietnam has a pretty deep uh, uh, connection to crypto in the sense of like. I think a quarter or a third of the population owns crypto because of they don't really trust the government. The TLDR being this, 
she did a whole presentation on social engineering. And uh, if people enjoyed that, I might try to spin up a cohort based course around it. (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine doing that? That's hilarious. Dude, I mean, she, I mean, we, we got to wrap up in a second, but I think with her, like the fact it's just such a weird story. Like, I feel like there's going to be more that comes out. This could easily be a movie. Like, the story of her Netflix is already doing a documentary oh they already are already and doing a documentary the, the TikTok videos of her I, I think when we did the last episode we talked for like two minutes on this yeah. and since then more's come out but just the whole story around like the TikTok videos her rapping like she's Dude. literally picking up chopsticks with her feet like it's and the, bizarre to think this person could be doing something like what she was doing um, I don't know anything about the guy like I haven't read much about him um, he, he went to like Y Combinator was, okay. yeah, he went to Y Combinator uh, University of Wisconsin he had a number of startups he worked for he was a mentor for 500 startups a very legitimate organization yeah um, a lot of the documents came out are super fascinating like they uh, they found uh, an Excel spreadsheet on his uh, on his computer that just showed all the different Bitcoin accounts they had and he's like oh this one's dead this one's been seized and uh their, their apartment had 40k in cash they had they found books that were hollowed out like where you put usbs with your like uh with your your your, your private keys if you need it but uh i mean they the other part being like are they taking the fall that also sounds like it's possible right like that's a very credible theory to me too is like you're thinking these two could pull this off there's definitely way more that's not i mean there were a few right? things that stood out to me like the dropbox like i think the guy or both of them were storing private keys in dropbox yeah, which is just no, no. like in the cloud. In the the, cloud okay, this yeah. is the thing: they're leaving it plain text, private keys in the cloud, but the actual access to their cloud account was encrypted. So, like, they still had the like there were lit, like the the plain text sounds bad, but there was encryption levels that done. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more access. just generally like we've joked on the show around yeah. putting under Jack's kettlebell, yeah. right? Like, there's a reason. Like, Whoa, what the did the Winklevoss learn- twins do? Right, the Winklevoss twins cut up their codes put them in like a dozen banks around the country yeah that's like, what Vitalik billions, did as well yeah right exactly well in if different have, locations so you need to exactly. like even if you can break into one person's house which is already unlikely yeah you're gonna need to find it in well actually places. Vitalik talked about it you know that he uh when he was airdropped the shibu he had to call his uh family who has half of the uh private key of his yeah they had to read it out like you're I was right, surprised he was it. talking about this so openly because I know, he's kind man. of telling people like, like how to- yeah, I mean, this is where my stuff is. Obviously, it's still very difficult, but for criminals, that's you don't want to give Vitalik anything is like away. one of the most famous people in the tech world, right? I know completely. Anyway, good, good little summary there. Um, I know we got. Uh, I think the one thing I did want to finish us off on was meme of the week at the end of the show. We've done quite a few of these screen shares today, but this was hilarious, man. Uh, this yeah, was from. It. The very our very own trunk fan, and this was how much would you would your stop raise for people <laughs> only listening? Uh, you've got Elizabeth Holmes, CEO, Simon yeah. Leviev, CFO from the Tinder Swindler, Heather Morgan, head of comms, and then Billy McFarlane, <laughs> VP of Logistics. No. This was cracking me up. That was actually much. that was the one that got the most responses when the people, dude, the, the people reading it, they're like, you know, you're kind of chuckling, and then you see Billy McFarlane who did uh, uh the Fire Festival, VP oh, of Logistics. Legend. Legendary, legendary well, documentary, man. As well, there's two yeah. actually. Would it, what would have been funnier, VP Logistics or VP Events? Those are like the two options. Second events there too. But um, anyway, great, great summary, man. I think we've uh, probably hit in time as well. But yeah. anything else, Trung? Before we wrap up, mate. No, this man, great episode. Was that was a lot, and uh, 
And, you know, can't thank our listeners enough. We got, all we have to say is this, we got big things coming up. Uh, people 100%. have been asking us, asking us to do more content. We're going to deliver. There's going to be yeah. laughs everywhere. We've just been, uh, yeah. So much this, laughter. We've done, well, we've 44 episodes, which is crazy. crazy. I, yeah. I mean, this has been the first time, honestly, even for me, to, I've been able to do it every week because it's just crazy. Like so we kind of hold each other accountable, even when we're traveling. Yeah. Like I'm going to be in Mexico for next oh, month, yeah. and Bilal's I'll be going doing to Mexico. it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that'll be fun, but we've still got to get some some content out for people, and it's been a lot of fun, man. So yeah, watch out for that. Make sure you're in the Telegram group. That's where we're chatting with people who are really loving uh, the podcast. We talk about stuff. We share memes. We share articles. Stuff that we're not able to share on the podcast because we can only share like three to five things a week. Yeah. So jump in there. And as always, keep spreading the word in the DMs, the group chats. Send it to your fiat friends on Slack and email. And <laughs> Leave send some it to reviews your... on Apple. Hit the yeah. five stars or one star on Spotify. Doesn't Spotify matter. Spotify's got it. Yeah, whatever you want to do. But yeah, we really appreciate all the love and support from everyone. Keep sharing that out and uh, we will see you in the next one. Thank you.